welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace today. We are your hosts, Sean and Bob. And Bob Hassan, how are you doing? Well, Sean, I'm I'm sitting here in my Hawaiian shirt, which you, wishing I was in Hawaii. How are you? I know. Usually when we talk to you, it feels like every other time you're in your Hawaii property. And I'm like, I have the spirit of jealousy. I have to break it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, today we have Jordan Burke, and I, I can't wait to tell you about him. He's an author, he's an illustrator, and he's a Down syndrome awareness advocate. He, um, he's an artist, so he's combined his passion for art and, he, and his love for Down syndrome. He created the Kelly and Kelso series to help teach children to value others who may or look and act different. And he had an uncle, Uncle Kelly, who had Down syndrome, and um, Jordan was his caregiver for almost 14 years from when he was like a 13 year old. A teenager, yeah, like a teenager. Really Are you kidding me? So now he travels to schools and he speaks and shares the message of love and acceptance and kindness. And he believes that that should be instilled in all of our society from an early age. He's thankful for the opportunities that have come his way and plans to keep his uncle's memory alive by writing more Kelly and Kelso stories. How incredible is that? Yeah, no, he's an incredible guy. I got to meet him through social media and I ended up uh, reading his books and writing an endorsement for one of his books or a recommendation review. And I just, you know, like there's just not enough people who are doing this and he's a Christian doing it with his partnership to his relationship to God, but doing it for the masses. Like he's doing like, and now he's not just doing uh downstream, but he's actually raising money right now for other books. He's doing like one of the books is on a Kickstarter right now. And for, um, I'm, I'm going to say the word wrong. I'm, I'm so bad at this word. I've tried this word so many times. It's called Vitilago. Yeah. Uh, I think I said it right. Vitilago. It's about a skin uh, condition and a little girl who has it. And the cool thing is that the characters are the main characters, not the disorder or the condition or anything else. So you fall in love with these characters and it teaches kids how to have relationship and connection. And I love that we get to talk to him as an entrepreneur and we get to talk to him as far as going after this in the business side of things, but also what he's trying to do in the compassion and empathy side of things. This is the exact kind of story that I just, I geek out over. Right. I think so. His, his Kickstarter, I think it's Kelly and Kelso. If you type that in Kickstarter, you'll find it. And um, we'll, we'll try to reference it at the end of the episode also, because once you hear him, you're going to love him. Yeah. You're going to want to give because he doesn't have to raise a lot of money. He needs to be out there. Yeah. These, these books are important. So yeah, I think it's cool to have some of the people we've had on in their, you know, twenties and thirties. And he's one of them is he's 32 who has just gone after this because God's spoken to him. And he was, I think he's fearlessly approached it because he's already published two books and made a product right. line. And I think, you know, to go after something that could be really small in your life, it could be very so niche that it's not available. It's not even that like, as far as an income earner. And he has a vision to really help marginalized communities, not just make money and also help educate. You know, he's an educator. It's cool to see he went after it anyways, because of his word from God. And now we have these books and now we have this voice present and he's just starting. It's amazing. I, I, I what I want to ask him is because I was a 13 year old once. Um, and I think the last 
thing that I ever thought about was to take care of somebody else, honestly. Sure. And so I would, I just would love to hear his heart, the amount of compassion and sensitivity that he has. I'm so looking forward to talking to him. Well, he's up next. Stay tuned, you guys. Jordan Burt next. Hey, my fellow explorers. We have a brand new book out. And if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are gonna love this book. I wanna encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Well, we're back with Jordan Burke. Jordan, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you, man? Good. Sean, how are you? I'm good, and I'm excited about Jordan. Jordan, I I don't know how we met. You reached out to me, and I just loved what you're producing so much that I ended up sharing with my daughters, with the Kelly and Kelso books, and just with now the new one with the the little girl who has vitiligo, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and just which is a skin condition. And I just think it's so cool that you're writing books like this because it really resonated with Harper and Hartley and then some of our friends that who we've got them for. And so it's like, it's, it's legitimately because most people write any books that are inclusion based. It feels like so cause heavy that you don't get the story, but because of your rich history with, I think your uncle, I think it really brought brought out the, the human element of storytelling, which is really beautiful. Well, it's important to me when telling a story, not to have a Down syndrome book or a vitiligo book, but to tell a great story and then include these characters. Mm. I feel like that's a great um, way to share inclusion Yeah, um, is to include these characters and just an awesome story that kids can relate to. Yeah, because the girls read it and they were just reading about another person. Mm -hmm. That's just they just loved him as a character and they love Kelso, the little, you know, his little friend. But, you know, like, let's talk about how did you find out about us in the beginning? Because I'm so glad you did. So it's crazy. I was I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth area and you had a conference, I want to say, like in Irving or somewhere where you're speakers. Yes. Yes. And I had friends invite me, but I could only stay for like a little bit. And so I kind of like stepped in and I saw just enough to know you were a Star Wars fan. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay, sweet. What are you another, talking you know, about? <laughs> right? Another yeah. Christian brother that loves him some Star Wars. So I went on uh, Instagram and I added you and I didn't look over your page or anything. And like a week or so went by and I ended up sending you, I think like a baby Yoda meme or something. And you responded and we got to talking about Star Wars and sharing memes. And then a little bit of time passed and I wrote my second book. And I remember reaching out to you and being like, would you write a little blurb for the back of it after reading it? And um, didn't hear from me for like a month or so. And I'm in Tennessee with some friends and I'm out there and my phone buzzes and it's Sean. And he's like, yeah, I'd love to read your book. I'd like to write a little blurb for the back. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm looking at my friends and I tell them I'm like, yeah, my friend, Sean, which if you didn't know this, we're friends. I told my friends, I was like, my friend, Sean, he wrote, uh, he's going to write a blurb for my book. And they're like, Sean, who? And I'm like, Sean Bolts. And their mouths drop. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then they're looking at my reaction in my face and they're like, you don't know who he is, do you? 
And I was like, I know he likes Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so they gave me. I feel like that work. Anchorman scene right now, where it's yeah. like, I'm not a big deal at all, but you know, like he's a, a San Diego guy, and he's like, newscaster was like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. Like it's that yeah, kind of. Right? I know that you know being being a, a very D-list celebrity in the Christian world gets me, uh, you know, on subways <laughs> no faster than anybody else. So I love that you're saying that. But I do love that I was able to write a little blurb for the back of your book because I really believe in your book. Yeah, your book. it just, it, it was great because uh, they're looking at me and they're like, you don't know who he is. And honestly, when I went back and looked at your page, all I could think was, uh, probably shouldn't send him that one meme. But no, I'm <laughs> glad that we got connected, man. And here I am on your podcast years later. So it's just really cool how that all worked out. No, and I'm so glad because you've been working at this now. You're only in your young thirties, you've been working on this stuff for a while and it's, it takes courage to actually go after the book market and try and publish some things that aren't um, maybe the mainstream, but if you go to your children's book section for chapter books or whatever, you're not seeing a lot of inclusion. You're not seeing a lot of these characters being displayed. Well, and honestly, before I started writing, I ordered the top 10 children's books on down syndrome because I didn't feel like reinventing the wheel if it had already oh, been wow. done. And so I wanted to see what was out there, what was on the market before I even began writing. And it really helped guide me in what uh, path I wanted to take and how I wanted to explain this and these amazing people to children. Let's go backwards and, and mm -hmm. let's talk about um, how you started the Kelly and Kelso. Um, you had your uncle Kelly who had Down syndrome. And, and tell, us about, tell us about your life with him. So in about third grade, I started praying, which it's totally a God thing, because what third grader wants their grandparents to come live with them, you know? And right. so in third grade, I'm started praying and I wanted God to send my grandparents to Dallas because they lived in a small town of like 300. And with my grandparents came along my uncle Kelly, who had wow. Down syndrome. And it was just in my heart, like I had all this compassion for him and I wanted him to come to Dallas because I knew there was so much more that we could offer him here. And that was and just huge for a third. That was just instilled that. in me. And mm -hmm. so I remember praying for him to come live with us. So they moved to Dallas when I was in my teens. And I just remember being so thrilled that they were there. And I would take Kelly to the movies. And he got to experience all this stuff that he didn't get to in a town of 300 wow. in West Texas. So we would go to the movies. My friends were super involved. So we would take him to like the mall. You know, he got a new stuffed animal or coffee no matter where we went. So, I mean, he was super <laughs> spoiled. <laughs> and he made friends no matter where we went. So I really, that connection between me and him was really strong because it's like, I just had this, this love for someone that the world looked at as maybe not as important or not as, you know, we, they didn't see value in. And I saw value in Kelly and how he loved people. And got, he would get excited over the simplest things like a McDonald's cheeseburger made his entire day. And I'm wow. like, if only we could all be that happy over the simplest things. So I remember having this dream and this vision in my heart to write children's books, but I didn't really know what path I would take and what I wanted to write on. And Kelly lived to be 64 years old, wow. which is really good for someone with yeah. Down syndrome. Yeah. And during that time, I had been a caregiver for close to 14 years uh, wow. to Kelly. And I remember wow. when he was around, all these little kids would ask us questions, whether we were at the park, the movies, the store they'd come up and ask questions. And that's one of my favorite things to do is answer questions. You know, um, it really was frustrating when you'd see parents like pull their kid away, like, you know, don't bother them or don't, you know, it's embarrassing. It's an awkward conversation they didn't want to have. But I always loved it when parents would open up and let me actually talk about Down syndrome, you know, share Kelly's, you know, condition and his life with, you know, these kids. 
mm-hmm. and just give them like, a better understanding so that they would have in their heart this desire to get to know somebody like that and they wouldn't miss out wow. on knowing someone with Down syndrome. So I grew up in church and I'm not scared of the prophetic. It wasn't taboo. It was something I grew up around. I grew up sleeping under pews. Like my dad was in the ministry. My mom was in the ministry. It was just a part of me. Wow. And I went to dinner with a group of friends and we were hosting two Bethel interns. And I didn't know them. I didn't really have any interest in talking to them, if we're being honest. I just went for the food. (laughs) And so I'm at the end of the table, you know, like uh, neck deep in tiramisu or whatever. And I'm eating. And one of the girls looked at me and she said, can I give you a word? And I'm thinking, yeah, sure. Lay it on me. Because even though I don't know her, I'm a true believer in taking the meat and spitting out the bone. So I'll receive the word. And she basically lays out the Kelly series to me. And I had only told my parents and maybe a few friends about it. And what I was wanting to do after Kelly's passing, the way to honor him was to tell this story through a book form. That it would be fun. It would be colorful. It would be engaging way for kids to learn about Down syndrome. And she basically, the one that still plays in my mind is she told me, she said, I see you playing video games. And then she stopped and said, no, it's like there's cartoons on your computer. Are you an artist? And I still get chills today because she just like, and then from that point on went on how my dog was going to be involved, which if you haven't seen the books, there's a Dalmatian in the book. And I had a Dalmatian at that time. And it was just one of these things that was kind of in my heart and stirring and nobody knew about it except for God. And like said, a handful of friends and here this girl is prophesying what was in my heart. So it was just a great confirmation. So I mean, so talk about like when you actually released the first one, you actually went after it. Cause this is like, you couldn't do it as your full-time job because you were were working. So talk about like building as an author in a market that you didn't know what it was going to be like uh, based on a word from God and what you felt inside. Totally. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared because I didn't know how parents would receive this because here I am, I was a caregiver, but Kelly wasn't my child, you know? So I treated Kelly like he was my brother, you know? And so I was like, how will parents receive me writing about a child with Down syndrome? And I'm not an expert. You know, I didn't go to college to learn about all the ins and outs of Down syndrome. All I knew was I could base this character off my Uncle Kelly. So he inspired the Kelly character that's in in these books. And I remember writing and I ended up having to do like a crowdfunding, you know, project in order to raise all the money to get the book printed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we get this book and I remember going into schools for the first time being like, how is this going to be received? And the impact it had on kids and all the questions that it stirred up and we would do a Q and a afterwards. And I just loved hearing their hearts and answering their questions. And one of my favorites I received was feedback from a teacher in Australia because they love Kelso down there. For those that don't know, Kelso is a koala that's in the book. (laughs) They love Kelso down (laughs) down under, but this teacher said she had brought ordered the books and read them to her class. And these little girls uh, knew of this kid in their school named Wade who had down syndrome. And it gave them the opportunity to reach out to Wade on the playground. And they started including him in stuff like duck, duck goose and just basic things that you would do as a kid, but they never really reached out to him because they didn't know anything about him, you know? And so, so yeah, it really is cool to see kids actually like take what I wrote the book for and then turn around and apply it. Jordan, wow. I I'm still can't get over the fact that as a 13 year old or so you became a caregiver. So I my what's bouncing around in my head is compassion, sensitivity as a teenager, 
to see, you know, your uncle and care for him like that and then include him. Um, could you speak a little bit to that about? Uh, yeah. Um, again, I grew up in a Christian home. And so I had great examples before me as far as my parents. Mm. And I, I probably didn't hit me till I was an adult looking back of uh, feeling like my life was mediocre because I didn't go out on Friday nights with the guys. I didn't do all the stuff that a normal teenager would do because I had responsibilities, but it was responsibilities I had prayed for. So it never felt like a responsibility, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. It was just a part of who I was. And a part of who I am today is just, I love big. That's something I do well. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized we give trophies to people because they excel in sports or we give trophies to people because they excel in academics. In America, we give trophies to people because they're pretty, but we don't always, you know, honor the people that are compassionate, like you said, or, wow. you know, are careless yeah. or care for others or love big. And so it wasn't until I was older that I really understood that, like, that's my trophy. All these memories I have with Kelly, with my grandmother, that's my trophy. That's what I fall back on and go, that was all worth it. And I loved having him in our home. Um, like I said earlier, he made me laugh nonstop. He was hilarious. And <laughs> he loved Oral Roberts. And so he would stand up and he'd have like a hairbrush and he would say, in the name, in the name. And he'd go around and <laughs> like he was like ministering for people, like over people. That's amazing. Yeah. And he had the sweetest spirit. And something that I have, it's actually in my living room is his Bible and it has his name on it, Kelly Owen Burke. And every morning he'd open his Bible and he would turn the page and then he would pat it. And after he pat it, he'd turn the next page and he'd do that every morning and drink his coffee until he was completely done. And um, try and not get my voice to crack because that's something I hold very dear to me because he could usher in the spirit of God. And you knew when we go to church services, if, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit was there or not, because Kelly was feeling it, his hand was in the air and he was, you know, loving on some Jesus, or if it wasn't, he was just ready to go home. Oh, <laughs> you know, he, was he wasn't alone in sure. that. Like, I'm like, bro, what your, what your face says right now is how I'm feeling. Wow. <laughs> so. That is so precious and amazing. Yeah. And how, and I think it's, you know, for, again, for me who let Harper and Hartley read the books, I, I feel like when I was growing up, I tried to reach out to people who were marginalized at times, but I didn't have the tools. And sometimes it was done out of more like um, uh, a, a sense of like, and, wrong or you know i don't know it was just not as appropriate as it could have been because i was trying to do something but i didn't have the education like it's so cool to have the girls even in just the the two books that they read that we've read a few times that they are sensitive that not just to people down sort of they're sensitive like like they're so sensitive it was we're going by people like oh that person didn't have an arm i wonder what that was like to to you know have that injury or to grow up that way and they just talked about it for a little while and i just encouraged the conversation and it really came from that sense of empathy and compassion in them, but was able to be expressed the first time when they were, I think they were six and four when I first read them, Kelly and Kelso. So I think it like, it really was a before and after moment for them to be able to have some conversations that as parents, you really don't know how to have. Yeah. And this has led you into other meaningful characters that you're writing about as well. Mm-hmm. This is a thing for you. Like, this is what you want to do. This is one of the ways you want to express. Talk about like, after you released Kelly and Kelso, what made you move forward into even some new genre uh, or new characters, I should say? So the first book did very well. And I was very extremely blessed with the doors that opened up. And my second book, I launched it in March of 2020, which, as you know, is like the absolute worst time, yeah. I think, in the history. Right when COVID comes out. Yeah, right when COVID came out and everybody was realizing what it was. 
And it didn't flop. It just didn't do as well because it couldn't really open doors for me to go speak at schools or right. events because yeah. every, the world was shutting down. And so I was somewhat disheartened and I'm like, okay, God, did I miss it? You know, was it a one-time thing? Was I meant just to write the one book and then it was supposed to bless a few people and then, you know, I can move on. And I I just kind of, I struggled with that. And then I started realizing there's so many more opportunities. And it was just something that was stirring in me that I couldn't turn, you know, turn off. And I was like, God, if this isn't what I'm called to do, then you're going to have to kill this passion, squash it somehow. Because it was just pouring out of me. Like right now I'm working even on my fourth book. (laughs) And it's so amazing because I want to talk about alopecia, which is, um, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, An immune deficiency where they lose their hair at an early age. And one of my best friends, his son has it. And so I had this great idea about having a son co-write the book with me and tell the book through his experiences and through his, you know, what he struggled with and the pros and cons. And then kind of tell his story at the end of it, I think would be really cool. So -hmm. we're working on that at the moment. So when I started realizing there's so many kids out there with all these different abilities, they don't really have an outlet. You know, they don't see themselves in media. And I think one of the sweetest moments I've had with Kelly and Kelso was this single father from Chicago sent me a video of his son reading my book. And Nelson had Down syndrome and he was 10 years old he could read and he was reading my book. And I remember him pointing at the Kelly character and pointing at him and saying, dad, he's like me, he has down syndrome. And I just remember that moment. I was like in tears. I was a mess because I wrote this book for your typical child to explain what down syndrome is. So they could have the opportunity to meet, love, you know, have something in common with these amazing people. I never once thought that someone with down syndrome could relate to the characters in the book because they don't see themselves in media and cartoons and TV shows. And so it was a positive spin on down syndrome. And this kid was looking at it, being able to relate to this character. And I'm like, God's so good because I can't think I'm not that smart. I couldn't think thought that up, you know? So he took something that I had meant for one reason and totally opened up doors for it to bless other people. The little boy that I told y'all about from Chicago that read the book. Yeah. He ended up being bullied to the point he ended up in the hospital. And they ended up having to do surgery and they removed a bunch of change that these bullies had made him swallow. So like a half a roll of nickels and a full roll of dimes. And I contacted the dad and I know it's now it was Holy Spirit because I'm at work and I wanted clearer audio of him reading so I could Mm -hmm. share it. And I contacted the dad and it was just out of the blue. Months had passed by and the dad wrote me back and said, we'd love to do that. But we had something happen last night. And he pours his heart out to me like he's my best friend, like you and me, Sean. And uh, so he opens up to me and he shares with me what had happened to his kid. And I said, well, let me make him a video. And so I made him a video with my mascots. And for the first time, they were able to get him to take all the liquids and the food they were trying to give him at the hospital because he wouldn't eat it because he wanted um, orange chicken and chicken nuggets, which I mean, I can't blame the kid. But at this point, he was on a liquid diet. And so I asked, I'm trying to make this short. I asked the dad, I said, can I share this with my social media platform? And the dad said, I really want you to because kids need to understand bullying. It's bad, but bullying like this can be taken too far. It could have cost Nelson his life. So I shared this story on my social media platform. I received 75 videos from all around the world, including Southwest Airlines and Florida, like a dance team in Florida of girls dancing and, you know, uh, saying, we love you, Nelson. We and just encouraging him, uh, service wow. dogs, picking up sheets of paper wow. to say, get, get well soon, Nelson. All these videos came in. 
And it was super important that there were kids his age sending him videos. That was something I made very clear because an older person telling you like, good job, doesn't mean as much as if it's a peer. So I wanted his age sending him videos, loving on him. And this is the part that blew my mind is the dad contacted me and said, listen, Nelson's mom died uh, 10 years ago. Nelson is 10 years old at this point. He's like, I haven't prayed. I haven't talked to God in 10 years. He's like, I've just carried all this hurt, this anger, this bitterness. And he said, I went down to the prayer chapel while Nelson was sleeping. And he said, I sat down and he's like, I felt this warm presence hit me. And I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, He's like, this warm presence hit me. And he said, I could just feel all the frustration, the hate, the hurt just fall wow. off. Wow. And he's like, I can't thank you guys enough for all the videos. I can't thank you for just the outpouring of love you showed me and my son. And what I love in that moment is God never left his side. But this man yeah. was willing to reach out. And in that moment, God reached back. And it was such a sweet encounter that I don't know if this guy's a believer. I don't know what his background is. It just was a really sweet moment. And so my go-to when I talk to my mom, is just if nothing ever comes to the Kelly books, except for that one moment right. where I was able to be a vessel wow. you know, for this man and God, then it was totally worth it for Nelson and his dad in that encounter. I still keep up with Nelson and his dad. And Nelson's doing great. He's back to swimming and playing sports. and. Um, he's doing good, but no, that was, that was a tough season for them for sure. And I'm just glad that Kelly and Kelso supporters and followers were able to rally around them during that moment. Yeah. Well, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Well, how did you get the second character now? The the new series you're working on? Oh, the little girl with vitiligo. So I remember in, I was probably fourth grade there was a girl that went to my school that had vitiligo. And I remember in the cafeteria and I wish I could say I was like, felt with so much compassion. I went and I sat next to her every day at lunch, but I didn't, I was just as scared of her as everybody else was in the cafeteria, you know, and nobody really knew what was wrong with her or what had happened or, and they were afraid to ask because we were kids, you know, so everybody speculates, everybody has questions, but nobody actually gets a straight answer. And so I love New Orleans. Some of my best friends are from New Orleans. And I really wanted to write a book around the city of New Orleans. I love the food. Um, As you can see, I love the culture. I love everything about New Orleans. And so I thought, where can I come up with a character that would take, you know, that would live in this uh, culture? And that's kind of how Tilly came about because she loves to play the trumpet. And she's really inspired to play the trumpet, but she's scared to play it on stage because she's afraid people will just focus on her skin and her condition and not hear her music for what it is. Wow. And so through this book, she gains the confidence she needs through her friends and family to step out there and just own the stage. And my favorite part in the book is she layers up at one point and she's like, I got this, I can do it. And it's New Orleans, so you know it's hot. And she's got a jacket on, she's got a hat, she's like all layered up, gloves, and she's like, I can do this. And her family and friends are like, what are you doing? Like, you're beautiful the way you are. And so she sheds all the layers and she goes out there in just a sundress and plays the trumpet and blows everybody away. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it was important for me to write a strong female character that could embrace her skin and uh, love who she really is. That's so awesome. Well, Jordan, That's so awesome. We've talked to you about your sensitivity, your compassion, your authoring, but let's talk about your Jordan, the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're an author. You're going to speak at different places as, as the world opens up. Talk to our listeners about like, how did you get the courage to start? What was it God like speaking to you? Was the road always easy or was it bumpy? 
Um, I would say it was very bumpy. I remember doing an uh, interview in Midland. They brought the press out to my very first uh, book reading, which that wasn't intimidating. And then they kept telling yeah. me, like, you need to be, um, you know, present yourself well because George Bush could show up at any moment because he was in town. <laughs> and I was having my first inter- my first book reading at the George Bush home, his childhood home where he grew up. Oh. And so I remember just being like terrified because I don't even like <laughs> taking the mic and like speaking to people at church, right. much less speaking to like hundreds of people. And then, oh, yeah, here's one of our presidents, you know, <laughs> so I just remember being terrified and they wanted to do an interview with me. And I, I'm telling you, honest, it was so terrible that it didn't even air. Like there was no footage in that they could. Sound. <laughs> That's awesome. I've and had so, that happen. And, and I'm so happy they didn't air it because it would have been it would have been it would have been bad. But yeah, so I can't say it's always been a smooth road. I know with my first book, one of the hardest things I ran into is the month it got published, I lost my dad. And mm-hmm. I remember just like completely shutting down. And if it hadn't been for my friends who stepped in and build orders and just did all the things that you need to keep a business running, responded to emails and all the things that I couldn't wow. do. I wasn't functioning for three months because yeah. my dad was my best friend. And it's wow. not just like I've had other friends lose a parent, but they weren't, that parent wasn't their best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was an extremely hard time in my life. And I just had all these, this frustration, but I had an amazing support system step in and help me. But I, I'm, I'm not sure the hardest part about the whole Kelly and Kelso thing and stepping out in front of people is I've always been a background guy. I've always illustrated for other authors. I've always helped in the sound booth or I've been behind the scenes kind of guy. I've never been the front man. And stepping out and being the front man has been a very uncomfortable um, change and shift for me. But a part of me is like, this has been prophesied. It's who I'm meant to be. So I can do this. And that's been the biggest backing in this is every time I feel discouraged, I get another word. And I remember I told y'all earlier, there was that season where my second book kind of flopped. And I was like, oh, man, was it a one time wonder? Am I supposed to keep doing this? And I went to Let Us Worship in Austin, and it was absolutely amazing. And I remember packing up my chair, my lawn chair, and I'm walking out in the parking lot, and this girl comes running up, and she was on the, at the front, and she was praying for people. And she was like, the tall guy, the tall guy, and she's yelling this as she runs across the parking lot. And for the, y'all that don't know, I'm 6'6", six, six and I have big hair, so I'm always respond to the tall guy if I hear it. So I turn around and she's like, do you mind if I give you a word? I have a word for you. I saw your face and I couldn't get to you in time. And I was like, sure. And I have it. I actually wrote it down. She said, you carry such a heart for children. And I see it in your face. I feel like you are really well known with children needing assistance in some form or fashion. And I see compassion and empathy all over you. Your influence in that department is going to be huge. Just keep going and do not get discouraged. Oh, and on this recording, I have, right? And on this recording, I have, I can hear my friends like crying and like cackling in the background because it's so, it was so needed and it was so God in that moment. And it was so direct and precise. And so on days where I'm like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing, God? Like, this is hard. It's a struggle. It feels like I'm going uphill. I fall back on these words and that's why prophecy has been such an important part of Kelly and Kelso from the beginning. It's spoken into existence and it's continuing to, um, 
keep me going on days when it's a little bit harder to go. This is so awesome. I know these are mainstream projects or for everybody, mm-hmm. whether they're in the church or not, which is so helpful because we have all kinds of people who are listening in a diverse uh, audience. I want to encourage our audience to engage these books. How do people get a hold of you? What are your social media handles and also your website? So you can get us at kellyandkelso.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Kelly and Kelso. Uh, our books, our stuffed animals, all of that's on there. So you can find our books at kellyandkelso.com as well as on Amazon under Kelly and Kelso. You can also find Kelly and Kelso on Instagram and Facebook. And the really cool thing is we have shirts on our website and we actually work with a company that hires adults with disabilities like Down syndrome and they do vocational training. They work with their employees. So that's really cool cool. that we can partner with people like that. That's so cool. Everybody needs to go get these books. If you have grandkids, kids, get them. They're going to change the way your kids relate to the world around them. They have so much empathy and compassion. Your current book, you're doing a Kickstarter on right now. Mm -hmm. So join the Kickstarter and future Kickstarters, any crowdfunding. I think these are so important that the crowd gets involved and has ownership. So Thanks, Jordan, for being on today. We so enjoyed our time with you. Absolutely. I enjoy talking with you guys. Jordan, you're amazing. Thanks again. Up next, questions with Sean and Bob. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on the journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Welcome back with questions from Sean and Bob. We're listeners just like you ask us questions. Bob, what's the question? Uh, we got uh, a question from Jazine Robertson off Facebook, one of our Facebook Lives, I think. Her question is, are there keys to know when a business opportunity is meant for you or another brother or sister in Christ? Sean, well, I, think, I mean, when it's for you, you can't not do it. That's the reality. It's like you'll do it even if there's a hundred other projects out there that are like it, you're still going to do it. I remember when we were publishing one of my books and <laughs> I was like going to publish this. And I was like, I have to do this. And then Jeremy, who you know runs my organization, looks at me and goes, there's five other books with the same title right now coming out the same month you want to publish this. And I was like, that just means there's, it's God's highlighting the topic right. and we all need it. Like this is important right now. And he's like, in, in his mind, he's like, no, let's do something else in that season. Mm-hmm. So we're not competing. And I'm like, I'm not worried about competing. I just think this is what God's doing. And so there's many things that are like that. It doesn't matter how many are presented. They're all going to go to different audiences. And if there is competition, the ones that are the most important will be heard, whether it's mine or someone else's for the greater audience. 
And I think to me, that's how I live my life. I live my life of there's room for all of us. If there's an opportunity that you're burning with, don't worry about who else is doing it or not doing it. And if there's someone else who's even like, maybe you're part of a small church and someone else opened a coffee shop and they're wanting everyone to support it, but you have a coffee shop in your, in your spirit, don't mm-hmm. not do it because somebody else opened one. If you live in a city and there's more than, you know, a thousand people there, that, that means that there's 500 adults re- drinking coffee. They can't all drink at one place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like just think bigger as far as there's room for all of us. We don't all have to do it together under the same structure. But we do in this spirit of Christian brotherhood, which means we're all do, we're all in this together. Sean, I love that. And I love that she asked if there's keys. And uh, Jazine, um, Sean wrote this beautiful book called Keys to Heaven's Economy. And you might want to pick that up and read it because it's just this beautiful encounter that Sean had about heaven's economy. And Sean, when you're talking about coffee, have you ever been to a big city and like there's a Starbucks on every single corner Yes, in a block? We have them here in LA. We have uh, four corners that have Starbucks on three of the four. Right. And they all have different cultures and they're all packed and they're all busy. And I think that's a great metaphor that you brought up about coffee shops because there's customers everywhere. So I, I just agree with what you said. If it's in your heart, follow God, write a strategic plan, talk to your friends and family and advisors about it and move forward. Yeah, we're in the this season. I'll say this too is one of the cases that we recognize we're in a season of disruption where there's disruptive technologies, organizations, and companies where there's been monopolies in certain technologies or monopolies in certain areas that God is breaking down the monopolies and allowing other things to emerge that have different cultures and different bents to them. So I think like, even in that, that should be a key to you to say, but you know, maybe someone who's listening is going, I want to start something, but this company has the market on that maybe today but there's room for other expressions mm-hmm. and growth and everything mm-hmm. else. And things have to adapt right now and change or they're not going to last. So we've seen that with some of the mega corporations who are dying or have died and we never thought they would go away. And now all of a sudden there's new technologies that made them irrelevant. So what you want to do is just stay tucked into God's arm and in his shadow, Psalm 91, and just walk mm-hmm. with him with your passion and see what he'll do through your life. Don't worry about what's happening outside for everybody else. Oh, that's so good. Well, we love your questions at bullsministries.com. There's an ask Sean and Bob question button. Easy for me to say, go to, go to the website, um, press the button, record your question or ask us questions during our Facebook lives. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you go to bullsministries.com, there's a button that talks about the partner program. Bowles Ministries has a great partner program that There's a partner coordinator that prays for the partners and there's special gifts at the end of the year and during the year. So go to Bulls Ministries and become a partner. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.